Tav, it's the first episode. How do you feel? I feel good. You feel uh, good? Heavily caffeinated, ready to go. Fantastic. There's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of stories out there, Sav. We're going to get through all of them. There's oh. a lot of stories. This is just the start. It's going to be yeah, awesome. How, how much time do we have? You're talking about yeah, all so of the this is, So Anna and, I, Anna, and I, Anna and I had agreement. We're going to have it for about 15 minutes. Yes. At 10 minutes, I'm going to give you, I'm going to wave to you to let you know that there, you've got five minutes left. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. At 14 minutes, I'm going to wave to you again just to let you know you've got one minute left. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm going to cut you off solid at about two hours, okay? So... <laughs> <laughs> True story. I do remember some of the guys turning up in half wetsuits and <laughs> been fortunate enough to do the official um, self defense system with the Gracie family. I do remember walking into my first class uh, and thinking, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning, Sav. Why Sav? I was shocked to find out your name's Craig. What, what, why Sav? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a nickname that's been with me since I was uh, I'd say you know seven years old. Um, I grew up in the East Lakes area. Um, I lived in housing commission for twenty oh, I guess twenty five you know years. Um, Mum and dad weren't well off, um, so you know we, we we were spending you know the I think a lot of kids growing up in the East were you know some sort of connection to a housing commission, um, but being there in that housing commission. Um, you know, I, I, I'd made a lot of friends in the area, you know, so ride the BMXs and so forth. And uh, we had a lot of Spanish families, South American families were there, you know, whether they'd moved into Australia and they relocated in that housing commission area. But uh, we had this community hall that was opened up. Uh, so across the road from the housing commission, there was a community centre. Yeah. Uh, and this this gentleman had come along and had opened this community hall. And we used to be able to go to, they put in pool tables and so forth and, you know, they'd put out food and stuff like that so I would just be hanging around there like like you couldn't believe and you know build a really strong um, group of friends there most of them being South American anyway I was you know still am but quite a small guy and I was that little pest you know running around and you know can I can I have this and can I have that and I'll do this and if I clean this will you pay me this and I was just constant so the nicknames <laughs> nickname Sav came from these South American guys and they said to me we're going to call you Sav and I said okay cool and you know I didn't have much interest why or anything like that and after a few weeks they're calling me so it was just kind of like a normal hey Sav how are you what's going on Sav and I just said to the guy who made the nickname up I said hey why you guys call me Sav and he said oh we never told you and I said no but I like it and he said, we've got a bird in South America. It's called the South American vulture. It just goes for everything. And I said, so how, how does that relate to me? And they said, S-A-V, South American vulture. And I didn't know how to take it. I thought, well, is this, a, is this, a, is this, is this, I don't, is this like a good thing or not? But at that stage, I've been known as Sav. Um, and you know what? It's funny because <clears throat> I'm still called Sav today. You know, and this is that's like how I know you. Year. Yeah, and this is forty odd years later. But, and to be honest with you, I, I've never, I, I never really speak about that. I never actually talk about how I got the nickname. People say, "How did you get that nickname?" I say, "I just got it." But that is the actual story of how I got it. And, um, 
Yeah, and it's it's still with me today. It's it's uh, yeah, it's just it's, that's how it arrived. It's awesome because when you come into the when you come into the academy, you know, mm. I said to Anna, okay, so where do I go? And she goes, I'll go and see Craig. I was like, right, I'm going to see Craig. Who's yeah. Craig? Moving along, because you know you've had this awesome experience, and I'd love to know about Master uh, Master Hoyler Gracie. Now you were just telling me just before we just before the the, the podcast that it's Master mm. Hoyler Gracie and Grandmaster Elio Gracie. That's correct. Yep. So um, obviously now I'm I'm running my own very successful uh, Gracie Jiu Jitsu school here in Botany, um, and this started with an interest. You know, um, I used to do a lot of boxing and so forth, and and just very quickly uh, leading into Elio and Hoyler Gracie, um, you know. A gentleman had arrived from Brazil and was, you know, trying to promote Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, which I knew nothing about. Uh, I went down and, you know, did a class, and it just it just blew me away. Uh, and as mentioned, here we are, twenty five years later on. Uh, very, you know, I have my black belt now for five to six years. I've got a school here with three hundred odd students and so forth. But where do Grandmaster Elio Gracie and and Master Hoyler Gracie come into the picture? Well. Obviously, as a young guy going into the sport, you know, these were guys are at the... Grandmaster Elio Gracie has now passed, um, but he was the gentleman who brought jiu-jitsu into the world. Uh, and, and am I right in saying that most academies have a picture of him on the wall? Yeah, so each martial arts has some form of Grandmaster adorning their walls, and ours, obviously, is Grandmaster Elio Gracie. Uh, but since his passing, um, his son, uh, Master Hoyler Gracie, is extremely active and he travels the world promoting Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. He runs a very, very successful self-defense seminar. Uh, he deals with, I think he has 96 Gracie Jiu-Jitsu academies around the world, affiliated academies. Um, and he goes around and he's really driven. He, he, he's such a great leader such a great example for the gracie jiu-jitsu platform now you've got to remember gracie jiu-jitsu was you know going back sort of i guess 30 40 odd years ago was unknown um so these gentlemen you know were trying to promote gracie jiu-jitsu so they visited this is a, a true story in what they were doing to try and show how effective their art was they actually went around with this bag of money i believe it was fifty thousand us and visited all these different styles, all these different arts. And these little, you know, respectfully small, you know, skinny Brazilian guys were walking into different dojos, karate, you know, taekwondo, no specific martial art, but just going into different academies, you know, and, and saying, hey, listen, we, we have this uh, martial art we're trying to promote. We've got this bag of money here. We, we'd like to challenge you. And these people looking at these guys thinking, wow, free money, you know? So... <laughs> Uh, and they'd say, but what's the catch? What if we beat you? And they'd say, that's okay. We just, um, you take the money and we leave. You know what I mean? But if, you, if, if we beat you, you don't have to give us anything. This is just to, to you know, in, in sort of, I guess, entice them to, to the challenge. And these guys were going around and basically just challenging any, any person, any size, any style, any weight. They, there was no limits. And the objective was to show how effective Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was. Um, and I mean, this is why we are here today where we are. This is why the sport has gotten so big. Uh, I don't know if you remember the first UFC events, UFC 1, 2, and 3, and you had uh, Hoist Gracie, this little Brazilian guy in the gi, and he went in and he was just 
wrapping people up in balls. And I, I think the most, um, I think in most people's stories, when they get into some type of MMA or jiu-jitsu or martial arts, a lot of them will relate to that Hoist Gracie situation. So, what was your first encounter with M- Master Gracie? Uh, so I. Well, I, I was extremely invested in jiu-jitsu when I started. It was so addictive. And as mentioned, I had the boxing background, came in to do a class. Um, some of the guys were saying to me, hey, listen, I'll lay on, because I was pretty good with my hands. Hey, listen, I'm going to lay on my back. You jump on my stomach, like mounting, like almost like mounting a horse, and have, have a couple of strikes at me. And I'm thinking, mate, I will knock your head off. Like, are you, are you crazy? And they were saying, no, no, seriously, man, jump on and do your best. And I'd think, you know look these guys are nuts but as i'd go to strike down they would lift their hips and and you know it's called bridging and force me to put my hands on the mat when i put my hands on the mat you know they could pull me in close and entangle me in some type of arm bar or choke and you know i was just like i I couldn't believe what was happening and i'll be honest with you that that day i left that that night i left that class and i went home and I thought to myself, I was laying in bed and it was 2 a.m. and my eyes were open. I was staring at the roof. So I knew, I knew something wasn't right. <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, it's okay. Like, you know, don't, don't be disheartened. I've had a bad day. I'm going to go back tomorrow and sort this out. And I did. I went down there and I thought, okay, I'm going to take care of these guys. This is, this is ridiculous. They can't handle me, you know. Same thing happened again. You know, wrapped me up in balls and so forth. And, you know, from that moment on, I was really hooked. Um, and then what happened was in that first couple of months, I was so invested and I spoke to my professor at the time and I just was learning more about the art and I was, you know, I, I, I had books back then, instructional books. There wasn't a YouTube or anything. Yeah, we're so going to talk I was about reading... this in another episode. Okay, amazing. Yeah, because there was no YouTube, you know. Am I disclosing my age here or? <laughs> little, maybe a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so it was on the horizon, so it wasn't far. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, look, long story short, basically within the first, I think it was within the first 12 to 18 months, I had jumped on a plane on my own. Um, and I mean, I'd only been as far as Bali and, you know, I hadn't done a lot of traveling just due to the situation with mum and dad. I was working as an apprentice chef so that, you know, I didn't have a lot of income. And But then I'd saved up and I flew over to Rio. Did you did you call anybody before you came and said, I'm yeah, coming over? So yeah, I, yeah. I spoke to my professor at that stage and expressed my interest. That's Bruno. Yes, he was traveling there at that stage as well. And he said, look, um, I'm going a little bit earlier, which didn't work for me with my work commitments. And I said, look, do you mind if I come, you know, at this stage? Because what I was doing, there were the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Championships that are held in California now. Originally, this was run through in Rio, Rio de Janeiro. So I traveled to coincide to be at the uh, IBJJF Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Championships. Uh, They don't fight white belts there. They start from blue up. But I wanted to experience that. So um, I I timed my travel to be there during that period. And anyway, so uh, I flew into Rio like, you know, 30 hours on the plane or whatever, landed in the airport there. It was quite daunting, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. um, you know, as soon as we drove out of the airport, uh, Bruno came to receive me. And as soon as we drove out of the airport, um, you know, there was a couple of gentlemen with guns, like, you know, high-powered machine guns. You know, they pointed them at the car. They stopped the car. Um, you've got to turn on the interior light just so they can see who you are and so forth. And it was just already I was like, wow, I thought I was coming to jiu-jitsu heaven. I've got a couple of guys in front of the car with machine guns here. I said to Bruno, what's... What's, and the funny thing is, when Bruno went to turn the light on, I, I pushed his hand away and said, hey, 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 don't muck around. These guys aren't playing. 
And he said, ah, get you, don't touch me. I've got to turn the light on. So, can, so I was actually, I didn't know what was going on. Anyway, we'd gotten into Rio and, yeah, and, you know, we'd met with another black belt there, Breno Savark, uh, who lived in Copacabana Beach, and I ended up staying with him. So that's where I was residing. Um, and from there, the next morning, we got up and we went to the Gracie Humaita Academy in Rio. So, Sav, what's the academy in, in Rio look like when you walk in? Like, give us a sense of it. Uh, it's 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 great. It's, it's there's so much history there. When I walked up the stairs, I, I thought about the you know the family, the legends. You know, where the, I couldn't believe I was in the birthplace of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It was it was mind blowing. I felt greatly honoured. Uh, out the front on the street when we arrived, it wasn't what I expected. It was, it's actually a, a primary school, oh. and they're up above that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you enter in and you, you kind of go through like a, you know, obviously a school area and then you go up a set of stairs and their academy is on top of that. Um, it's a very simple academy, a very smallish academy. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of space there in, yeah. in Rio. Uh, you got to remember this is a very traditional style old academy. When they opened it, I guess then, you know, it would have been a little smaller, but they make use of the room they have there and they have two rooms. Um, They've got a main room and then there's a room off to the side. And then even in the bath areas, when you walk in, you've got to turn sideways to pass someone. It's like really, it's really small in there. Yeah. It's tight, but they make it work. But walking in there and, and, you know, coming from Australia, where I had my professor with a black belt here, of course, but walking over, walking up the stairs there and walking into the room and seeing all those black belts, it was just, I, I couldn't believe it. It was just, it's an amazing place. And yeah, I, I just got in there and I was able to train and spend time with these legends and got a, a, the chance to meet Hoyler and Holker Gracie and, you know, all these, these, you know, idols of the sport. Because one thing I wanted to just touch on before we finish is that when um, Master, Master Gracie was coming over, uh, Christian made a really fantastic point, which has stuck to me to this day. And he said that mm. if you want to be play with a golfer, you want to play with Tiger, Wool, Tiger Woods, you've got no chance. If you want to play, mm. uh, you know, tennis with Rafael, Rafael Nadal, you've got no chance. But here, mm. the, the, the lineage between me, a white belt, and, uh, and uh, Master Gracie is actually quite small. It, it go, mm. As I understand, and, and that was such a great point that Christian made. You know, it was an opportunity to meet, meet the, the great of, one of the greats of uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And you actually said mm. that, you know, it goes um, Master Gracie, Bruno, you, and then sort of... Yeah, you guys. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, look, there's so much uh, There's so much history in, in, in any martial arts, like some of the, you know, the old Chinese martial arts, they go back, you know, it, it's just thousands and thousands of years. Um, but when you look at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, you've got Grandmaster Elio Gracie, Master Hoyler Gracie, uh, my professor, and then me. And then you guys are under me. So, I mean, the connection to the, the, the origin of the art, it's, there's nothing like it today. It's, it's just incredible to think. And I mean, Grandmaster Elio Gracie was a very healthy man and unfortunately passed away at a, at a, at a very old age. But he was still practicing jiu-jitsu and he was still, it's incredible. So with his longevity, you know, I mean, you've got Master Hoyler Gracie and then, like I said, the professor and then us. So it's, it's really is pure. The art is extremely pure. You can't, you can't even imagine. And look, just I wanted to touch on the fact that you, you talk about how I felt about entering, you know, you know, the school in Rio. And you've got to put yourself in a position where, for me, 
opening a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu 20 odd years later. And just recently I had Grandmaster, uh, sorry, Master Hoyler Gracie come here to my school to teach a seminar. Like, like talk about mind blowing, you know, and, and he just and walked just in like a regular guy. Like, I, yeah, you, you, yeah. You, I remember this so well. You, you walked in with him and you said to me, Sab, get a picture with him quick. Yeah, and Carl and I got a picture, got got our kids. We and we put it. We we got it. We got in a picture with Master Gracie, and yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I, and and he later on that night, I went to the seminar, and it was like two different guys. He was um, he was so chilled. And then when he got in there, he was yeah. He's very yeah. focused, and he he knows how to yeah. deliver a message. I, I was I'm so grateful to you and Christian and and the academy for that opportunity. It was yeah. it was a very memorable mm. one. How yeah. how that first episode go? How do you feel? This is it. This is the end of the first episode. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, good, good. I, I you know, it's, it's. I feel great. I've just got so much more to talk about. It's, you know, I understand. I understand why Joe Rogan smashes out three hours. <laughs> so we're gonna, we've agreed that we're going to end with you doing what you always do at the end of every, uh, of every um, little talk you do, and at the end of every uh, white belt class, we end up. How do we end up with yeah. that? Oh yeah, one, two, three.